Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. What is up, my friend? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. We are glad you are here with us today. Hey, we got a great guest for you. We got a professional speaker, Ty Bennett, who's going to be hanging out with us today. He's got a lot of great stuff he shares. Really enjoyed this conversation with Ty and uh, looking forward to sharing it with you. Before we get there, let me remind you, if you haven't already, we would love for you to go by, check out freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com. If you are looking for a step-by-step plan on how to actually find and book speaking engagements, then that's what you're going to find there. It's a free training that we do uh, on a daily basis, teaching you all about how to find and consistently book speaking engagements. So make sure you check that out again over at freespeakerworkshop.com. All right, let's get into it. Today we're talking with again, Ty Bennett from tybennett.com. That's two N's, two T's. Today we're going to be talking through, basically Ty had some great advice for speakers at all levels. And he said he has an acronym, AMP, but uh, it, it turns into a totally different acronym. So you know, you'll have to listen to figure that out. But we talk through this AMP acronym of uh, ability, and we talk about the two most important pieces of ability that Ty works on that he recommends for other speakers. We talk about the P platform, and we talk about how to build your platform when you don't have one, what he recommends as one of the best tools to use to build your platform. And then the M, we talk about marketing. We talk about how to find and book gigs, what he's doing right now to book 100 gigs per year. So some really great practical strategies from a guy who is killing it in the speaking industry. So again, this is uh, Ty. Ty Bennett from tybennett.com. Let's get right into it. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Hey, today I'm joined by Ty Bennett, who has been a professional speaker in the industry for many years now. He's got a lot of wisdom, insights he's going to be sharing with us today. So excited to have uh, some time to hang out with Ty. Ty, how are you, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me. You bet, buddy. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us. So first of all, I always like to start with this. Why don't you give us a quick snapshot of what your speaking business is like, and uh, we'll kind of backtrack from there in, in terms of how you got into this. So yeah, currently today, I speak mostly corporate gigs, corporations, and association groups. I speak usually about 100 times a year, primarily keynote speeches. I've written four books, all in the leadership space, and so that's where I'm typically speaking, although... I do cross over a little bit into sales. I wrote a book called The Power of Storytelling, which I think is a key skill set for both leaders and salespeople. And so I, where I do some events in sales, it's all around storytelling as a skill set. And so, yeah, it keeps me busy. I'm on the road quite a bit, but I love what I do. Yeah. How did you get into this and how many years have you been doing it? So my background is as an entrepreneur. My brother and I started a business in direct sales when I was 21. He was 22 long story short of that, we built it to about $25 million a year in revenue in our 20s. I did a lot of speaking and training for our sales team as that grew and found just it was a passion for me. I loved doing it. And so I started really speaking professionally in 2010. My first book came out in 2010, so mm-hmm. about seven years. 
And I sold my half of the original business to my brother. So he's still doing that. And and I've just been speaking and writing ever since. Nice. Very good. So you you said you do the bulk of what you're doing now is in the, the corporate space on the topic of leadership. Now, obviously, that's a, that's a massive market and that's a big topic. And there's a lot of speakers who speak on that. So how have yeah. you, like, especially as you were going from, all right, I'm doing this direct sales thing and doing some speaking training. I like this. I'm good at it. Now I want to do more of it. How have you kind of like figured out your niche as a leadership corporate speaker? Well, I think there's a couple of things for me. I mean, I think all of us have to kind of look at our platform and figure out what makes us distinct and unique, right? I I think, you know, having built and sold a multi-million dollar business, that helps my platform in a big way. I honestly think my age is a very positive thing. I'm 36 now. So, you know, you go back and I started speaking in my 20s, but I'm not your 60-year-old white male speaker typically, right? So I get a lot of a lot of meeting planners, a lot of groups that say, you know, we're looking for a fresh voice or a, a young voice or, you know, they're basically saying we don't want an old stiff right. guy out there, you know? Right. And and so I that's played to my strengths. But I, I also feel like I've found some really good niches with the messaging of really three of my four books have done extremely well. And my model has been, to give a keynote based on the same title as the book. So if you look at my speaking calendar, I really speak on three things, the power of influence, the power of storytelling, and partnership is the new leadership, which are the three titles of my books. And I say three of the four, because honestly, the fourth one just didn't do that much. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> it just didn't really catch. Like, I don't know, just the market wasn't right or whatever, but those three messages have done well. And And then we've kind of found some niches, I think, what we've found, and we can dive in more into marketing and things, but we've found that there's certain industries that those messages work in, and that's where we're spending our outbound time marketing. And then you have weird groups that pop up all the time, you know, association groups of who knows. And, you know, I mean, like I spoke to a group of snow removal contractors a couple of weeks ago, like I would have never pursued that group in my wildest dreams. But then once I got on the phone with them, and I didn't even know what to expect, it's a bunch of business owners. That's really what it was, right? And they just happen to be involved in snow removal. So some of them find you and you go find some of them. But yeah, we've been able to find some unique positioning based off of, I think, my experience, based off of my age and based off of my messages within the context of leadership. Nice. As you mentioned, you've done a lot of speaking. You've got a lot of experience and you've been you've been in the game for a little while. So one of the things I know that we had talked about a little bit ahead of time was that the topic of how do I become a speaker? How do I get into speaking is something that, that you get a lot and I think is tends to yeah. be the case with most speakers. And this is something that you speak on from time to time to other speakers. So I'd love to dig into this a little bit more. You've got a uh, an acronym that uh, you really teach on this. So kind of walk us through that and then we'll let's dig into each of the pieces of it. Yeah, I think that's a question you probably get every day and I feel like I get every that's day. That's why we started you know, the podcast to be like, just go listen to this uh, episode. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, I swear after every speech, somebody will come up and say that or, you know, yeah, somebody reach yeah. out and say my son or my brother or my friend, yep. you know, can they call you? And, and so I started to really think about it because, you know, you jump in and you start th- seeing what works, but you don't really dissect it. And, And I kind of, in my mind, I think every speaker needs three things. And so I kind of developed an acronym. I call it AMP, A-M-P. You need ability, you need marketing, and you need a platform. I think when you break down those speakers who have made it, who have done great things, and, and I studied a lot of them. I still continue to study a lot of them. I've listened to a lot of the podcasts and things just because I want to learn from other speakers who are doing great things. And 
And I honestly would take it kind of backwards. I know AMP kind of sounds good because it flows as an acronym that way, but <laughs> but I think it starts with your platform. I and what I mean by that is, well, I guess the best way to explain it. Not too long ago, I was I was flying to a speech. I was going from Salt Lake City to Orlando. I came into the airplane to find my seat, and I sat down in first class next to this woman who was a business executive for sure. She had on a business suit. She had her laptop open. She's right in business mode before we take off. And I'm wearing a t-shirt, shorts, and flip-flops that day. And yeah. and as I sit down, she goes, you know, are you headed to Orlando for business or pleasure? And I said, I'm headed for business. And she goes, how about for you? I said, how about for you? And she goes, business. And then she said, what do you do? And I said, I'm a keynote speaker. I'm speaking at an association conference tomorrow. And then she kind of looked me from head to toe. <laughs> right, right. Something's not adding Like up here. totally assessed me. And then very bluntly said, why in the world would anyone hire you to speak to them? Whoa. And it kind of caught me off guard, you know, and I, I just made a joke back. We ended up having a great conversation. I've actually spoken for a company now, which is fun. <laughs> Circle of life. But, but if you think about that question, that is the honest question that you have to answer as a speaker, right? Is yeah. from a platform perspective, what makes you unique? Why would people listen to you? Why would you be worth 5,000 or 20,000 or whatever your fee is, you know, in dollars for that speech? And so, I think we have to figure out what that platform looks like and continue to build on that platform. And, you know, I mean, it's not the same for every person, right? I mean, for me, my background was built a multi-million dollar business as an entrepreneur and now written several books. And, you know, there's other pieces that go into that, right? Different pieces that you build on the course of your career. Like I shared the stage events with President Bush and President Clinton. So we use that in some of our marketing or, you know, just different things that are going to continue to add to your platform. You you're featured on this website or in this news or, you know, different things like that. I think that's where it starts is that question has to be answered. And it was interesting. I was on this feed the other day with a bunch of speakers on a Facebook group and they're talking about how quite often being able to raise your fee is completely based on things that have nothing to do with speaking, right? right? That platform piece of, you know, have you written a best-selling book or why do people want to listen to you? Have you been on a reality TV show or, you know, climb Mount Everest or been an Olympian? Yeah, for sure. And it, and it's true. I think there is what makes you distinct outside of speaking is really gives you that platform to speak from. Yeah, to dig into that a little bit more, I think that that I would agree with that. And I, oftentimes, if you have something like that that's happened to you, or you've accomplished, or you've achieved, it's definitely easier to get your foot in the door. But there's certainly, yeah. I know for myself, uh, you know, I don't know your personal story, but I, I know for me, like I'm a white dude from the Midwest who grew up in a normal <laughs> family and like just like a normal life. Like the, on paper, there's no reason that I should, you know, I don't check the boxes of I haven't climbed Everest, I've never had cancer, normal family, just like normal stuff. And I think that's the case for a lot of speakers is, you know, I may have had some random thing. I ran a marathon one time, you know, but is that enough to justify speaking to people? So what would you say for those speakers who are going, I just, on paper, it doesn't feel like I've got the credentials that organizations or companies or or groups would be looking for. Well, and I think it's true. And, you know, I think about different speakers and I mean, we could go through a list of friends of ours that are great speakers and have great careers that I mean, run the gamut of every background. <laughs> well, no, no, I don't mean that, but like so many, so many different back varied totally. experiences, right? Yeah. I think the key to it really is combining that, that experience with your expertise, right? So for me, if, you know, as an entrepreneur, having built 
large business, that kind of thing. And if I were to come out and say, I'm, I'm a speaker on diversity and I'm a white guy for, you know, like it, it, it wouldn't make any sense, Yeah. but that experience lends towards leadership, right? You know, you think about like Eric Weinmayer, who's climbed Mount Everest and he's blind, right? For him to come, he speaks on overcoming challenges and shares his experience. Like that makes sense. And so yeah. I think all of us can build platforms. I think we can add to it. I don't think that it, your fee is only based off of what you've done outside of speaking because the truth is, is you get better as a speaker. And that's why I say you also need ability. We can dive into that. But as you get better as a speaker, you become better known. You get more referral. You, you know, you can grow your feed because you become, you know, more in demand and all that kind of thing. For me, I don't know, maybe the least barrier to entry in my mind, building a platform that's substantial is writing a book. Yeah. Like anybody really can write a book. What that book goes and does, I don't know. But I have found for me uh, that the books that I've written have really helped to establish messages that I have become known for in the speaking world. Now, that's not the case with every person, but uh, it's been truly helpful for me in my career. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that, that you, and you mentioned, you know, some of those criteria and things that you have done and accomplished, but it's also important to note, like you didn't start with those things. Like one no, of the things not I always, all of them, no. yeah, I always remind speakers, like everybody starts at zero. Like nobody comes, you know, comes into this sure. and all of a sudden they have this massive resume of things that they've accomplished or done or, you know, major events or companies that they've spoke to. Like it just doesn't happen. So everybody starts from zero and builds their way up. So this platform is kind of this ever evolving and ever, ever growing process that you're always you're always going to be working on. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, my agent and I talk about this all the time just as as we're doing different things and just what are those pieces that can add to it and you know, being featured on, you know, let's say Success Magazine or whatever the the publication is, mm-hmm. that's just another piece to your platform or being able to speak for certain companies that have major name recognition. Yeah, obviously adds to your platform. Yeah, when I started, I had no clients, you know, I mean, just like everybody else. And so you do, you start to build that. But I think it's important to think about that question, because I think I've found some speakers come into this naively, and they just, they kind of say, well, you know, I, I'd love to speak. And so people should hire me. And we really have to answer that question. Why would people hire you? What makes you distinct, and be able to identify that so that you can reach out to those groups and position yourself in a way where you are worth paying for. Yeah. I, I, I get that same question all the time of people. Uh, I just want to speak as if people should just be lining up to hear you speak. Yeah. And it just doesn't work like that. I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, you have to be solving some type of problem for a specific yeah. audience and not just, here's my story. Who wants to line up and listen to it? It just, it just doesn't work like that. So, all right. So you've got uh, AMP AMP. We've covered the platform piece. Do you want to keep working backwards or where you want to go from there? We're going to jump all over. I'm doing this in total weird order. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. uh, so we did platform. So so let's go into ability just because we kind of touched on that, right? Again, ability is one of those things. I think with all of these, these are ever changing and totally. ever growing. Like if you and I were having this conversation three years ago, I would be coming at it from a different perspective in yep. terms of where I feel like my ability is, where I feel like our marketing is, what my platform looks like. And I hope that in three years, we could have the same conversation. It would be different again, sure. right? Because it's continuing to move forward. So from an ability standpoint, I always like to tell speakers this. When you finish a speech and people tell you you did a good job, it literally means nothing. <laughs> because you will always, very rarely are you going to get anybody who doesn't say that, right? Mm-hmm. Even if you're not that great, they're going to go, that was good. Yeah. You know, like they maybe don't rave about you. The true test of ability as a speaker is when people who see you speak hire you or refer you. Yeah. 
like I remember thinking I was really good seven years ago. And, but when I would give a speech, very rarely would I get, we would book speeches out of it. Yeah. And now we've kind of created a machine where most speeches, I have a few speeches that come out of it. Literally, as we've been talking, I just got a text from my agent that said, we just booked a gig in Kansas city. And it told me the speech that it came out of. I just did a couple of months ago that creates a machine. And so I think that there's, there's a focus on us, right? This is a craft that you have to continue to get better at your craft. And so for me, I think the two biggest areas, universally speaking, that I think we need to get better at, that I try and study all the time, is storytelling and comedy. Mm-hmm. Humor and storytelling, I think, are the, the skill sets that I personally try and continue to get better at all the time. Why those two? Of all the different things that you could focus on as a speaker, why those two? I'm not disagreeing. I, I would actually no, probably would yeah, say that those two I, would be the top ones. You know, I mean, there's a lot, right? There's, I mean, you have to make sure you understand structure and how you piece together all that. And, you know, all those things, you guys provide a lot of great information. You know, when I look at me personally, I hire coaches every year. I've hired, and lots of different coaches. I've hired coaches specifically for humor. Like, here's a video, break it down. Like, tell me why, how I can be funny. Give me some ideas. And, and some that are so drastically different than me, just to kind of get their take. Like I hired one lady that's, I mean, my polar opposite, you know, really edgy. That's just not my brand. I just wanted to see. And she brought a couple ideas to me. And I'm like, yeah, I couldn't say that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that just would not work. Right. But but it was interesting to jump into her brain a little bit and get that perspective. So I think storytelling, I mean, obviously, I wrote a book on storytelling. I'm a huge proponent of storytelling. But I, I think it's it's one of those things that just truly connects you with an audience and engages people. If you can tell stories that become memorable, I have a couple of signature stories that, that like when I see people, people be like, oh yeah, you're the 4C guy. Like just yep. stuff that like it, they grab onto it years later, which is kind of amazing. So stories have a unique ability to really connect you with the audience. You can never be too funny as a speaker. That's something that I feel like I have continued to get better at. My agent came in and saw me speak a couple of months ago and probably hadn't seen me speak in six or eight months. And after we sat down to kind of dissect it and she goes, you are so much funnier than before. And I was like, <laughs> was I not at all before? I don't know. Uh, but like, she's like, I mean, you can tell you're finding, you know, that rhythm in it just, and I think all of us have to kind of find our own style and our own voice. So for me, I study like comedians all the time. I study storytelling all the time, like those two skill sets. I just think they cross all forms of speaking, trainers, keynoters. I mean, you name it. I think everybody can benefit from those two skill sets. Yeah, totally would agree there. Do you think that especially because storytelling and especially humor is such a a critical piece, it's something that a lot of speakers, frankly, aren't that great at. And the ones that are, it becomes a huge differentiating factor. Do you think that uh, not just humor, but um, as we speak about ability in general, do you think that being funny and being a good speaker is a skill that can be taught and can be learned? Or is it just kind of like, that person's just good and I'm not, you know, or or that person's just naturally funny or I'm not like, how do you view that? I think we all have our natural skill sets that are, you know, you might be a little bit more naturally inclined towards speaking, feeling comfortable with it. The words come to you more naturally or humor as a, as a pretty simple skill set for you. But I have watched, and I can just speak for myself. I've, I've watched this with other people, but for me in seven years where I thought 
because I did a ton of speaking and training for our team internally before I decided to step out on the stage, you know, and try and speak to other companies. I probably had as much stage time as I ever had even now, you know, speaking. So I felt like I was good, Mm -hmm. but I've watched myself get better and better. And what I could base that on is every six months or a year when I do a new speaker video and I go back and watch the old one, I'm embarrassed by it. Like I watch it and I'm like, oh my gosh, so this Who's we sold this to people, you know, <laughs> like people paid for this. I mean, the video I used to get started seven years ago, I have tried to like get it off right. the internet. I hope it doesn't exist anywhere that because you do, you get better. And so I've watched people really work on it and get better and better and better. And in those skill sets, particularly, um, it takes work just like anything else. I think it's a skill set you can be taught and some people will get there faster because they have a little bit more natural ability there. But yeah, I I think that anybody who comes into speaking needs to know that this is a craft you're going to continue to work on. And as your ability grows, you're going to get hired more often. You're going to get, you know, referred more often. Gigs are going to turn it. You're going to have that snowball effect that starts to take place. And we can't ever underestimate the fact that ability is a huge piece of it the best way to sell yourself is to be really good on stage. And one thing you kind of touched on there is that at this stage in your career, you've given, I mean, literally, you know, hundreds, thousands of presentations. And so someone may see you today and be like, wow, you know, Ty's just good. You know, he's just good. But they don't see the hundreds of times that you told that story or the hundreds of times that yeah. you delivered that punchline and the times that it just didn't work. It, nobody laughed. It wasn't funny. And you work on it and you go over it and you hone it and you dial it in or the times that you spend writing and rewriting and rewriting the joke or the story or the talk or the times that you are pacing back and forth in the hotel room, going over the talk time and time or backstage, just going over and over and over. And just people just assume like, ah, oh, they're just a great speaker. They just get up and wing it. That just doesn't happen. There's so no. much work that goes into it, that it's not just a natural ability. And well, although you said some people may have a little bit of that, but at the same time, it's it, the reason that they're successful and the reason that they're a great speaker or reason that they're funny is because they've been busting their butt and you just didn't see it. Yeah. A buddy of mine, Vin Jing is a great speaker. Mm-hmm. He always shares this quote by Penn of Penn and Teller that magic is just somebody who spends way too much time on, uh, on something that most people think is absurd, right? Like, I mean, you just become maniacal, obsessed with it. And, and it's true. It just, it's something that you continue to work on and just get better. And the thing that always I love is when somebody sees me a year or two later, you know, if I go back to a client or something, if I get comments where it's like, you've always been good, but man, you are so much better in this area or like, and they've noticed some of those changes. Like, I remember you being really good, but you were never that funny before, like your storytelling, whatever it is. Right. And, and so, yeah, I, for me, it's just a constant pursuit. And I always look at it for me. I've, since I've been speaking professionally, I was kind of trying to look at that group of speakers in my fee range in my, Mm -hmm. in the same category. And you start to see some of these, like, for example, with bureaus, you start to notice who you're put up against, right? Mm -hmm. They recommend three of you and, and some of the same names keep popping up over and over. So you're kind of lumped in from a meeting planner perspective of you and these other people seem to fit, right? So I start to really pay attention to them and watch them and, and try and gauge myself against them. Not just, not for a competition sake, but just to go, okay, if they're getting 15,000 for a speech, am I that good? Do I bring that much to the table and, and just try and keep bettering myself and, And for me, one of the bigger pieces, and I think this is good advice for every speaker, 
is to really seek out those that are that next level or above for you and watch them. Go watch their videos, go check out their sites, you know, see their marketing materials. And it becomes pretty obvious for the most part. None of them really anymore are like shocking, like, how are this doesn't add up? Like, it adds up, right? I mean, you can see why they're getting the fees they're getting. All right, so we started with AMP, AMP, <laughs> and we're going to land. This is a on, really good acronym. We're going to turn it into PAM. All right, <laughs> and I don't know any PAMs, but we've gone from platform to ability. Let's land on on marketing. What are your What are your thoughts there for speakers? Yeah, so I I do think that marketing is a key piece. I think part of it. I like to teach speakers that you need your X Y Z formula. What I mean by that is to very simply and articulately be able to say I do X for Y and Z is the result, Yep. right? You said earlier that you have to solve a problem, right? I mean, you have to get really clear on what you do and how you do it. And I don't just mean like I speak to leadership groups, but I do keynotes. Mm-hmm. Like if you were to call me and say, well, you do a three-day training, I would say, no, I don't care what your that's budget that's is. Yeah, I, yeah like yep. that, that's just not me. Now other people thrive on that yep. and that's their thing. So that's fine. So I do keynote speeches for leadership groups, like the leadership is my category, right? And we can break down like the different results. And I have, I started with really one speech with the power of influence, my first book. And then I've added a couple others as we built more material, right? So it would depend on what we're looking at in that regard. But I think you have to get really clear on that because until you know that, it's really hard to know who to market to. Yeah. There's a lot of speakers, like you mentioned before, that I just want to speak. And I ask them, okay, what do you speak on? They're like, well, you know, I could speak on whatever you need. And, yeah. you know, that doesn't work because right. no, who, do you, who do you market? Say that. Yeah. Who do you market to with that? Right. Yeah. And so once you get clear on that, then you start to, to reach out to them. There's a lot of different marketing techniques we use. I don't think it's just one thing. You know, there's no silver bullet like this is exactly what you do. We use multiple different marketing techniques, but once we got clear on it, then we can kind of understand this. So I'll just give you a couple of ideas of some things that have worked really well for us. Developing relationships with bureaus. I do a lot of work with bureaus. That takes time. Bureaus, if, if you're new to this, bureaus are like speaker agents that they don't represent you as the speaker. They represent the client. And so they want Coca-Cola to come to them every time they want a speaker, right? And you might be one of those one year, but It's not like they're going to go out and promote you heavily. It's hard to get on their radar because one, there's a billion speakers and two, they don't want to take a risk on you because if they book me and I suck, then Coca-Cola is less likely to use them in the future, right? right? right. So a couple of things that we've done is when I'm in certain cities, we reach out to bureaus. We invite them to the speech or I might go cater breakfast and go meet them and just develop relationships. I'm a big proponent of businesses about relationships. Mm -hmm. I think that works across every medium that you can think about. Bureaus are the same way because you become top of mind to those bureaus. Once you do some gigs for bureaus and you do a good job, more and more seem to book you. They, it's pretty close knit community. They talk amongst each other. So not that that's our number one source, but we do gifts for bureaus. Once we book certain gigs, we try and mine those industries. So if I, for example, I think the first restaurant group I ever spoke for was Subway. I've spoken for Subway like 40 times now, but then we've parlayed that into, I name a restaurant chain and I've probably spoken for them. We've just done a ton in that industry. I don't have any background in that industry. We just found that my message worked. And so when we reached out to Taco Bell and said, hey, Ty just spoke for Subway, right? There was an in there and now Ty's spoken for Taco Bell and, and 
and Subway and we go and speak for Smoky Bones barbecue. And, you know, I mean, just start adding all these to the list. Right. And then you have the industry events because you get invited to the association groups. And so you just keep growing within a certain industry. So we find and then target specific industries and start to run the gamut through those industries. For example, my message on storytelling, I realized it would be good for certain industries. I had no idea that it would be good in fundraising. I didn't know that was an industry to speak to. Yeah. What happened with it was a girl from high school who I probably couldn't have picked out of the lineup was a friend on Facebook and saw what I was doing. She happened to be on a planning committee for a program in Colorado. She reached out to me. I went and spoke for them. The president of the Association of Fundraising Professionals happened to be in the audience. He had me come speak. So now like, it just keeps growing, right? Yeah. And I do a lot in fundraising around that because then we've gone, okay, this works in this, this industry. Let's keep mining it and let's keep you know, using these references. So we do that. You know, I, I mentioned social media. I do a lot on social media and that's hard to measure. Uh, but because I share what I'm doing, I have multiple events every year that come from social media. Uh, you know, a friend of a friend or whoever, somebody reads your blog, somebody sees a video, they happen to be on a planning committee, they send it to their boss. You know, I don't know how it all comes, but yep. we can track events every year to social media stuff. So we do stuff there. Um, like I said, you know, writing a book, getting it out there. We try and make my me as searchable as possible. We get events from Google searches every year yep. that, that pop up. And, you know, so you're trying to get yourself out there. I have some friends who are other speakers that we refer each other sometimes where it makes sense. Uh, and those are just relationships. I think you build as you start to do it. Yeah. I think there's lots of ways to go about it. Yeah. And I think the point there is that the, a couple of things, one, there's not one way to do it. And For sure. two, the other thing that you mentioned is when you find some type of opportunity of just pulling on that thread of, you never know what that's going to lead to. And you never know who's in the audience. And what's interesting too, which makes it a little bit difficult to kind of reverse engineer is there's so many gigs that come from just random situations and random circumstances, you know, that like you said, you have no idea of who's in the audience or how that person, you know, the person that saw you is related to such and such or someone has got, um, had someone reach out the other day who they saw me speak like seven years ago. They were a high school student at this some event, and now they're nice. you know in some corporate setting and helping to plan some event. And they just remembered me. You know, you just like none of that stuff yeah. is is like it's, it's <clears throat> hard to quantify at times, and so therefore it feels like this mystical thing. When in reality, there's several things that you are doing, and it's not just you know we put up a website and sit back and wait for the phone to ring. But even as someone who has been in it for as long as you have, who's doing a hundred events a year. Yes, there's stuff that comes to you, but there's also a lot of activity that you are doing and a lot of outbound things that you're doing to generate that business. And it's not just, you know, sit back and wait for a bureau to take care of everything. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, you have that saying that luck favors the brave or those who take, like, if you're out there doing it, I do think more comes to you. And it's hard to figure out how it all comes to you. We just try and be proactive in ways that we know are going to yield as much fruit as we can. And so when we identify certain industries, if we're going to reach out to companies, it's in particular industry niches that we've found, right? Um, there's some strategy to some of the social media stuff that I do in terms of what we're putting out. There's there's strategic reaching out to and building relationships with bureaus and what we're doing as far as getting my name out there more from articles and other interviews and different things like that. So all of those things, I think, are, are they're just part of the puzzle. And then it starts to snowball. I mean, you look at, I would guess probably 
60 events a year come because of the snowball effect because I'm doing a hundred a year, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm speaking an event and, and it leads to more. And so then we've got to keep proactively reaching out to find some of those others. And, and then that snowballs for the next year. And, so, and some of them pop up seven years later, like you right. said, and that's, that to me is a testament to you and the impact you made as a speaker. That's great. So let me ask you this and we'll kind of wrap up here is that a lot of what you do today in terms of marketing and getting gigs, isn't necessarily what you did in year one. And so working with a bureau or working with an agent or some of those things, those doors tend to not open up until you've been at it for a little while. So I'm curious, is there anything that you did differently in year one or any advice that you would give to a speaker in year one or two that may be different than what you're doing today? Yeah, that's a good question. Once I got clear on what my message was, and honestly, that took me a while because yeah. I get where speakers are coming from, where they're like, I can speak on anything because you kind of can, sure, but not in an effective way. Right. And once you kind of figure that out, like, and I had some stops and starts, like I did this program on goal setting that this a buddy of mine had a company and they wanted to do something. And, and so I did it. And then that spun to a couple other people hiring me on that program. And then I did like three and I was like, one, I don't like goal setting. And two, I don't think this is that good. You know, like I, this isn't my niche. Right. So once I figured out what my message was and, and that was around the power of influence for me to start. One of the things I did a lot more of in the beginning that I do less of now is I truly started calling Pete, everyone that I knew and trying to find connections into their companies and different things. Like, reaching out and saying, Hey, I just started speaking. I have a new book coming out. I'm, I'm speaking to leaders. Does your company ever bring any in outside speakers? And like doing a lot of that proactively, uh, just to try and make connections. That's how my first subway gig came is I have a friend in Spokane that said, you know, one of my buddies run is the development agent for all the subways up here. And he brings in speakers every year. Let me pass your book on to him and introduce you guys. And you know, that's what it led to it was me proactively calling somebody to get that ball rolling. And so I probably do less of that now. To be fair, I have an agency that does some of that now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, in the beginning, it was just me. And I just was like, okay, we just got to get on the phones. If I'm not, I got to find my first speaking engagement. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how to do that. So, and the other piece to that too, is I did a lot of speaking for free, speaking to anybody, speaking for you know, oh, you have $2. Cool. That'd be fun. You know, like whatever you have where, you know, we're much more selective now. Right. Right. And speaking is very much a momentum business, you know, that, yeah. that at the beginning, it, it's like, if you're trying to push a big boulder, you know, it's just, it is brutal to get it in motion and to get it going. But once you get it going, then it, it doesn't take as much to keep it going. And speaking is very much like that, that early on, you're just Absolutely. like, dear Lord, I am beating my head against this boulder and it's not going yeah. anywhere, you know, but I may be making like fractions of progress there. But over time, it absolutely gets easier. But at the same time, I think it's important to note that it's it's still a lot of work. There's times where uh, my guess is you're, you're, the talk doesn't go as well and there's still slow months. And, you know, you and I, you mentioned that Facebook group that we're both in and you still see speakers in there that are well-known speakers who still have like crappy experiences or crappy <laughs> months. And it just, that's just the nature of it. You know, that's just kind of the, 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 the it way is. it is. Yeah. I mean, I, last week I took a video guy with me to an event that the way the stage was set up, it's this dinky little stage, 400 people in the room. And the closest table was probably 70 yards. Like, yeah. I mean, it just, it, you know, you have that and 
it was just hard to connect with this audience, just the yeah. way it was put together. And I brought a video guy to it. You know, I've got a guy, we're trying to create a video out of it. And like, the laughs are not happening, you yeah. know, because there's no connection. Just, I mean, you have that and you'll continue to have that. But overall, I agree with you. It does become easier. You do feel like you gain some momentum and, yeah. and things start to roll and, and you still have times that it feels a little slow and then times that it picks back up and that kind of thing. But but yeah, to me, I'm sorry, my acronym is all out of order. And, it's Pam. And out of whack, you can't but keep I, calling it AMP yeah, anymore, okay, dude. Okay, we're going with Pam. <laughs> Pam is the new acronym. But I, I think those things are key, right? Your platform, why would people hire you? Your ability, and it's, it's not if people think you're good, it's if people see you and will pay you money to have that again. Yeah. And and that marketing that has to be just a constant engine that you keep doing. One, I have a buddy who's a very successful chiropractor. He runs a couple of offices here in Utah. And I remember sitting down with him. I'm like, okay, how are you so busy? And he goes, he goes, we're like so busy. We turn people away. He goes, but here's the key. I literally have people who go out and knock doors and pass out flyers for me. Like that's our marketing approach. He goes, and you never stop knocking doors. Even when you're turning people away, you never stop knocking doors. And so for me, that's been kind of a mantra from a marketing perspective is we never stop knocking doors. We're going to keep doing it every day. And hopefully that builds the momentum we're looking for. Very well said. Well, Ty, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your schedule. I know you are actually uh, on your way to the airport right now, headed to a gig. So life uh, on the road for a speaker. So, hey, man, if people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where, where can we go? Uh, just tybennett.com, T-Y-B-E-N-N-E-T-T.com. Beautiful. Well, appreciate it, man. Safe travels to you. Thank you so much. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ty. Uh, again, you can find his information over at tybennett.com. T-Y-P-E-T. Let's try that again. Take two. T-Y-B-E-N-N-E-T-T.com. There you go. Even the speakers, you uh, you make mistakes sometimes. You fumble over words, but you keep going. You break on through to the other side. Hey, also, let me remind you, if you haven't already, definitely stop by and check out freespeakerworkshop.com, freespeakerworkshop.com. Like I mentioned there, uh, we give a daily training on exactly how to find and book paid speaking engagements. So make sure you check that out over at freespeakerworkshop.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up episode 162. We'll see you next time. You're awesome.